I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. been significant advances to immunotherapy since their first introduction, but challenges remain to realizing their full potential in solid tumors. That's because of the ability of tumors to use multiple mechanisms to evade the immune system. Occamus Bio is developing tumor gene therapies that are capable of targeting tumors and driving expression of multiple immunologically active biomolecules and therapeutic proteins to create a robust anti-tumor immune response. We spoke to Howard Davis, CEO of Acamus Bio, about the challenges immunotherapies have faced in addressing solid tumors, the company's tumor gene therapy platform, and how it turns tumors against themselves to stimulate an immune response. Howard, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Danny. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I look forward to the conversation. We're going to talk about Acamus Bio. It's platform technology that turns solid tumors into drug factories, and how this is designed to elicit an immune response to attack and clear tumors. Perhaps we can start with the need. We've seen great advances in immunotherapies, but the success to date has been focused on liquid tumors. Why is this been difficult to do in solid tumors? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Danny. And and at the heart of it really are, are some of the uh, mechanisms that solid tumors have evolved uh, to really be able to mask themselves from the immune system. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the tumor microenvironment, the fact that you've got expression uh, locally within the solid tumor of immunosuppressive signaling molecules, uh, you have uh, significant amounts of stroma that these tumors uh, encapsulate themselves within that prevents access. Uh, to these tumors by the immune system. There's a hypoxic environment, high intratumoral pressure. All of these things contribute to an environment that makes it very difficult for the immune system actually to even recognize the tumor, much less attack it and try to clear it. Um, so again, a number of just innate challenges uh, for, for eye immunotherapy to be effective uh, against solid tumors. What's the need and opportunity to apply immunotherapies to solid tumors? Yeah, so so really, what what has been needed for for some time to to enable immunotherapy in this space uh, are, are therapeutics or approaches that allow you to alter that tumor microenvironment. So some of those same defenses that uh, tumors have have evolved uh, to, to to be able to mask themselves. Um, if you can reverse some of those effects and or counteract them, um, you've got an ability to allow the immune system to recognize that tumor, attack it, uh, and obviously the potential to clear it. And so um, that very much is what uh, we are focused on here at Occamus Bio with our platform um, to really try to unlock that opportunity given the high unmet need for uh, uh, for treatments of this type uh, for the, the solid tumor space. You joined the company in 2022 as CEO. What attracted you to Occamus? Why did you take the job? 
Yeah. You know, I think for, for me, uh, in, in the early stage biotech world, um, first and foremost, it's really critical that you believe, uh, in and are excited by the science. Um, and that, that certainly is, is squarely what is here at Occamus Bio. Um, you know, the platform, which we'll talk a little bit more about shortly, uh, came out of the University of Oxford. Uh, you know, the, the team that's been in place here has, has put forward a, a tremendous effort to bring that platform forward into the clinic. Uh, and it's generated some great clinical data. And so I think first and foremost, that's what got me excited about the company. Um, I think, you know, the combination of that with a very supportive set of uh, private investors uh, who have been supporting the company for some time. Um, and frankly, a, a set of investors who had a vision to to take what was an Oxford-based company and, and evolve it into a true transatlantic entity, which is what we are now. Um, so I'm based in the Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts area uh, here in the U.S., uh, but we've also got significant operations still there in Oxford. And so um, getting the best of both worlds from from both ecosystems. Alchemist has developed a platform it calls T-Sign. What is T-Sign? Yeah, so T-Sign uh, is uh, an acronym for tumor-specific immunogene therapy. Um, so we're a tumor gene therapy uh, whose objective is to to use a viral vector uh, to alter the tumor microenvironment in solid tumors. And so specifically in our case, we use uh, a chimeric adenovirus-based vector. Uh, it's been engineered to replicate uh, and express a therapeutic transgene selectively in epithelial-derived tumors tumor cells. Uh, and what's unique about this particular platform uh, relative to the, the broader field, um, so, so by very nature, we're uh, what is called an oncolytic virus, so a virus that has a tropism to replicate within a tumor cell. Um, and in our case, uh, our, our T-Sign platform has been engineered specifically uh, to replicate and express those transgenes after systemic delivery. Um, so we deliver our therapeutics in the clinic via an intravenous injection, which enables the virus to leverage the vasculature to uh, basically transit to a tumor site where the virus can then replicate in either primary or metastatic tumor, uh, where it then expresses a transgene that brings the uh, immune system to bear. Um, this is in, in contrast to uh, the rest of the field uh, that, that really has always depended on what is called intratumoral injection where you actually have to physically inject into each tumor site. So this ability to deliver systemically is a, is a unique aspect of T-Sign um, and one that has, uh, has us quite excited by uh, some of the data that we've generated with it in the clinic to date. How specific are these viral vectors to various tumor types and do you need to do something to target them or do you need to select the vector based on the tumor? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that is so attractive about T-Sign is that, you know, we are leveraging uh, an engineered adenoviral vector uh, to, to uh, again, uh, specifically target the tumor. But the characteristics of the vector itself are what drives the specificity for it, uh, both recognition, replication within, and expression of, of the uh, therapeutic transgene, specifically in the tumor. Um, and so, you know, our vectors basically have a, a tropism that allows them uh, to replicate in any epithelial-derived tumor cell. So if you think about uh, pancreatic 
cancer, colorectal cancer, uh, head and neck cancer. All these are epithelial derived solid tumor types. Um, and once again, the characteristics of the virus itself are what provides for that selectivity uh, to, to, to again, replicate and express the therapeutic gene in those uh, target tumor cell types. You have the potential to use payloads that deliver a combination of transgenes. What are the range of things that might be in a payload that you would get tumor cells to express? Yeah. So, you know, again, what's what's so exciting about this this platform, for, you know, certainly for us as a company and, and for me, as I was looking to join last year, um, was the flexibility of, of what you can put into that transgene cassette or the payload, if you will, that that, that our T-sign vectors uh, carry. Um, and we've, uh, you know, over the years of our work with the platform have expressed a wide range of, of molecule types, uh, including membrane bound receptors and ligands. Uh, full-length antibodies, uh, cytokines and chemokines, bispecifics, uh, as well as tumor-associated antigens. Um, all of these uh, types of, of molecules, um, when expressed locally within a tumor, allow you to alter the tumor microenvironment, either enriching a target for uh, an, another type of therapy, um, such as if, if we were going to express uh, some additional tumor-associated antigens on the surface of the tumor, um, we can heat up the tumor microenvironment in what otherwise might be a cold tumor, uh, again, by locally expressing cytokines or chemokines very locally, um, directly within the heart of the tumor itself. Um, so again, very flexible platform in, in terms of uh, our ability to access a number of different types of biology based on what we choose to express. Um, so again, very flexible uh, in, in terms of what T-Sign can do uh, into the tumor microenvironment. How do you determine what combination of constituents you'll include in a therapy, and are you at all limited by the size of the vector? Yeah. So uh, in terms of, and maybe I'll, I'll answer your, your, your latter question first, um, you know, our, uh, in our work with T-sign uh, vectors, you know, we found that typically we can get up to about three and a half kilobases uh, of, uh, of whatever it is that we want to express from a genetic perspective uh, loaded into a T-sign therapeutic. Um, and that can be a single uh, protein. It can be multiple proteins. Um, we, we've had up to five different proteins that are expressed in that single three and a half kilobase cassette. Um, typically, we have in, in most of our clinical vectors, um, you know, between two and, and four genes that, that, that typically are part of a, a package. In terms of how we select what's going to go in, it really comes down to the biology that we're looking to uh, either activate or interrogate. And so, you know, an example that I'll, I'll give that we'll talk some more about is, you know, around our lead clinical stage program, uh, which is called NG350A. Uh, it specifically is a vector that looks to agonize the CD40 pathway. And so given that that's the biology that we're going after in that particular case, we've selected a, a basically an antibody that we express that allows us to hit that target. So, so really, um, in, in terms of choosing what we want to do, uh, you know, it's, it's really thinking about what is the tumor type that we're looking to target, what biology or, or again, biological pathway are we looking to attack, um, and then that motivates what we choose to, uh, to put into a vector. Uh, but the, again, the flexibility of this platform in T-Sign is, um, is, is uh, 
quite phenomenal um, in, in terms of what you can put in. And, and again, it gives us a, a very broad range of, of tumor types that we can potentially go after over time with this platform. And is it expected that these therapies would be used as monotherapies or would they be used in combination with other immunotherapies or other cancer therapies? Yeah, so so you know certainly in in our uh, early stage clinical studies, we're we're exploring these in in the monotherapy setting, uh, primarily to as you can imagine, initially establish safety in the clinical setting. Um, we certainly imagine some of our uh, some of the biology that we're going to go after would enable these to be used in a monotherapy setting, given the very nature of uh, of cancer and, and cancer therapy as we know it today, where combinations. Uh, uh, of, of agents typically are the way that that standard of care therapies or uh, you know their therapeutic approaches are put together we would anticipate that we will for sure be used in combination with other agents that are our standard of care elements of of you know either um, solid tumor specific therapy or, or more broader cancer therapy so checkpoint inhibitors and 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 such uh, we certainly would be uh, expected to be using these agents with the other uh, application, though, that I, I want to highlight, and this is something that we're we're quite excited about from a, a collaboration perspective, and we we have some news on the horizon uh, around a collaboration in exactly the space that I'll, I'll speak about, um, and that's really using T sign as a neoadjuvant approach uh, to basically enhance either the safety or efficacy of other immune oncology agents. And by this, I mean, we can pre-treat a, a solid tumor with a T-sign uh, vector that alters the tumor microenvironment in a way that makes it easier for another uh, IO approach to, to again, uh, deliver its efficacy. So the example that, uh, that, that we've recently um, had some collaborations uh, consummated in that we'll shortly announce is in the cell therapy space where our role really is to alter the surface of the solid tumor cells uh, to enrich for a target that a cell therapy could then recognize. Um, so we really like this approach because we think it's one that, um, you know, offers certainly collaboration opportunities for the company, uh, but also uh, the ability to enhance, again, the efficacy and, and potentially safety as well for other IO modalities or approaches. Well, you, you made reference to your, your lead experimental therapy. What indications are you pursuing with it? Yeah, so so to date, you know, all of our clinical studies uh, have been phase one A safety studies. Um, so really, we're looking to to you know obviously understand the pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics of the uh, of our viral vectors, um, and and obviously get a good understanding of the emerging safety profile. In those settings, uh, we've we've had patient populations that basically are all comers from an epithelial-derived tumor perspective. So any any patients with um, metastatic disease uh, where they've got again solid tumors of, of epithelial origin. So we typically see a mix of uh, colorectal cancer patients in these studies, pancreatic cancer, some head and neck cancer, um, and so. At this point, um, again, you know, we're really seeing that broad population to establish safety. As we get ready to move into our next phase of studies, uh, particularly for our lead program, which again, we'll talk about in a moment, NG350A, that's where we're starting to look at where have we seen data 
in those all-comers populations is starting to motivate us uh, to select an expansion cohort where we'll have a single indication. And we do have some interesting hints uh, that, uh, that that are leading us to prioritize some indications that we'll announce uh, probably early in 2024. Uh, how, how does it work? Yeah, so so NG three fifty A, you know, just to speak on on that that lead clinical program, um, so uh, it's it's a vector. So again, uses the same uh, adenoviral uh, backbone as all of our T sign uh, vectors, uh, but in this case, the transgene cassette. Uh, holds two genes uh, that combine uh, once they're expressed to form a CD40 agonist monoclonal antibody. So again, given the characteristics of a, of a T-sign therapeutic, replication of the vector only occurs within a solid tumor uh, once uh, following intravenous delivery. Um, when that replication is occurring, you get local expression of that CD40 agonist monoclonal locally in the uh, in the solid tumor uh, tumor microenvironment. Uh, the the particular mechanism that we're looking to go after um, uh, so CD40 agonism agonism is a well known biology. It's been characterized via systemically delivered monoclonal antibodies of this sort. And in our case, uh, we're looking to, to hit this pathway in the same fashion. What it does is trigger uh, the uh, dendritic cell pathway. So the dendritic cells that are, are typically present in the draining lymph nodes of solid tumors, uh, which have the ability to present tumor-associated antigens to infiltrating T cells and then trigger uh, basically an anti-tumor immune response, uh, you know, emanating from those draining lymph nodes. That's the pathway that we're looking to activate. And so CD40 uh, agonists that are expressed in that drain in those training lymph nodes trigger that dendritic cell antigen presentation and again uh, the, the resulting immune attack on the on the solid tumor so that's the pathway uh, that we're looking at and um, and again why we're we're so intrigued by ng350a um, you know, we believe that the ability to locally express that CD40 agonist monoclonal antibody um, directly in the tumor will allow us to hit that pathway much harder than you could if you were trying to systemically deliver the same CD40 agonist monoclonal antibody as a naked antibody alone. Um, and that really is is due to the fact that um, this pathway is, is well known to have uh, dose-limiting toxicities associated with it when you deliver it systemically. And and so because our, our T-sign vectors drive local expression in the tumor, uh, again, we'll be able to hit that pathway that much harder by having much higher concentrations locally in the tumor. So that's really what we're, we're going after, and we're, we're quite excited by some of the early results that we've seen. Well, what is known about it from the studies you've done to date? So uh, the NG350A program has been in uh, uh, basically a pair of clinical studies that uh, that we've run. The first uh, was called Fortitude. Uh, this was a monotherapy study. Uh, classical dose escalation. Patient population, once again, as I described a little earlier, was uh, all epithelial derived, uh, all comers, I should say, uh, from a patient population perspective uh, with epithelial derived solid tumors. Uh, we completed that study uh, just under a year ago and then have been moved forward into Fortify, uh, which is also a dose escalation study, but in this case, it's NG350A in combination with pembrolizumab, so uh, obviously looking at a, at a PD-1. Um, so those are, are really safety studies looking to, to you know get a good understanding of, obviously, again, PK 
uh, PD, as well as uh, the safety profile of NG350A. Uh, in parallel with this, we also have a study uh, ongoing that is in collaboration with the Parker Institute and Cancer Research Institute called Revolution. Uh, and this is an expansion cohort study in pancreatic cancer. Um, and this will be our first chance to get a look at uh, how does NG350A actually impact disease progression in a single patient population. Um, so those are results that we'll be seeing in 2024 and, and certainly quite intrigued to, to see the impact on, uh, on, on, on patients. Well, talk a little bit about your partnership with the Parker Institute. How does it work and, and what does Acumus get from this partnership? Yeah. So the Parker Institute uh, has been a long-term collaborator of ours. Um, and, you know, I, I you know, would be remiss not to uh, to, to give a, a, a shout out of thanks to to Sean Parker for for his um, both commitment to the company and and, and support of us uh, both in the form of this collaboration. And he's also uh, he and the Parker Institute are an investor um, directly in us. Uh, the the relationship really started around um, NG350A and some excitement that that the Parker uh, Institute has had for some time around the concept of CD. 40 agonism. And so when they heard about uh, our program and, and, you know, obviously a vector that would allow you to, to, agonized CD40, but with local expression of an antibody um, in a tumor, um, they were quite intrigued to, to get involved and, and see how they could support us, uh, you know, in our development efforts. And so um, this particular collaboration, which is around the uh, revolution study that I mentioned, um, so it involves the Parker Institute is providing both funding uh, as well as access to their clinical network, uh, which are some of the uh, sort of most esteemed pancreatic uh, cancer investigators in the world. Um, so they, they're, you know, supporting us on both of those fronts financially, as well as with access to that network that they've established. Uh, the Cancer Research Institute is also providing funding as well as operational support. Um, and they've been a wonderful partner uh, that, that we uh, we announced uh, when we, we talked about that expanded partnership earlier this year. And then from our side, obviously, we're providing drug and then strategic insight into both the study design and, and execution. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we'll, we'll obviously, um, get access to the data that emerges from that study. Um, and our hope is that we see promising results next year that'll motivate us to advance that program into later stage studies, uh, in the pancreatic cancer space. You're also approaching the clinic with a, a second experimental therapy. What is this and, and have you identified indications you'll pursue with it? Yeah, so uh, the, the therapy you're referring to is is something that that we term NG seven XX, uh, and so this is a, uh, a it's a preclinical uh, vector, so it's an IND enabling uh, work right now. Um, it's it's sort of uh, two critical uh, elements of the payload, if you will, are IL twelve and IL fifteen. Uh, there's also a chemokine that that gets expressed in the transgene cassette. Uh, the the objective of of this um, vector is is primarily to heat up the tumor microenvironment with the expression of of again those uh, those interleukins along with that that chemokine um, and therefore to to take a what would ordinarily be a cold tumor and, and make it hot in terms of the the target indications um, 
very similar to the way that we've developed NG350A. You know, our plan would be as we bring this through the remaining of its preclinical uh, work over the over the course of the next year or so, um, we'll be readying the program for the clinic, where we will run likely a very similar type of monotherapy dose escalation study to start. Uh, we would then move, in all likelihood, into a combination study uh, with, uh, with with PD ones, um, and the the patient population would again be all comers from an epithelial derived tumor perspective. And, and again, what that affords us is the ability to, you know, accomplish our, our safety study objectives, which always are to understand PK, PD and safety. Uh, but in the same token, we'll have an opportunity to assess a number of different uh, tumor indication, solid tumor indication types that come into that all comers population to determine where we want to prioritize as we would move into a later stage study. So no no determination yet on exactly what indication to pursue, uh, but but likely a very similar type of development program to what we've taken with NG350A. The company raised $30 million in January. How far will existing funding take you and What's the plan for raising additional capital? So we were we were really excited to to announce uh, that that thirty million dollar uh, convertible note financing in in January um, on, on two fronts. First first and foremost, uh, it, you know it was it was an opportunity to to recognize um, three new investors uh, that were were joining us on the journey, um, and that was Arch Ventures, uh, the Parker Institute uh, for Cancer Immunotherapy, or PICE uh, as they're known, as well as Westlake Village Biopartners. Um, in addition. To being new investors in us, um, they are our first uh, American-based or U.S.-based investors, uh, which which obviously coincides with my hiring uh, in the in the Cambridge area and the you know transatlantic expansion of the company. Um, and so uh, that financing and our current financing uh, will take us into 2024. We're currently actively financing uh, right now uh, to uh, fund the expansion cohort study, which is our next stage of development from a clinical perspective for NG350A, that lead clinical program. So we'll be moving into a phase 1B study where uh, we'll have a single uh, tumor type uh, that will be uh, prioritized um, with an objective to, gen- uh, to demonstrate clinical proof of concept uh, over the course of the next, uh, next few years as we execute against that study. You spent about five years each at Novartis and Biogen, and I've seen how large biopharma companies operate, but you also spent a year at flagship pioneering. I'm wondering how that may have changed your view on the industry and on technology and whether you're bringing anything from that experience to shape a company built on a novel platform technology. No, it's 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 a great question, and and you know, as as I was uh, being recruited into Occamus Bio, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a as you're being interviewed for a role like this one, it's a, it's a great opportunity to to reflect on uh, you know the career journey and what you've seen and how it shaped you. You know, I think for me, as I look back to those experiences in bigger pharma and bigger biotech with uh, Novartis and Biogen, respectively, um, they were critical formative experiences uh, for me in in really learning sort of end to end how medicines are, are made. And, and, you know, again, lots, lots is, lot of is said about uh, bigger pharma, bigger biotech, and some of it can tend to be pejorative around them being sort of slow lumbering uh, machines. But, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the bulk of the medicines that are out there today um, do come through the hallways of, of those places. And so it was a great 
uh, place for me basically to apprentice and learn that, um, learn that process and learn how to think about unmet need and how you bring those things forward. I think um, as I pivoted to, you know, what I'm going to call the more recent chapters in my career and flagship pioneering was where I went first after leaving uh, Biogen. Um, and then, you know, even post that, uh, I spent a good, good period of time, nearly uh, four or five years working with the Atlas Venture folks um, on a number of different uh uh, early stage company projects. And I think there, you know, there's a skill set that comes from the flagships and the atlases of how do you build a company and how do you build a company, honestly, from scratch in, in many of the environments that I've worked in? How do you build a management team? How do you secure the financing that you need? Um, it, to de-risk the the platform technology that you're developing or the assets that you're bringing forward. Um, and so, you know, in many ways, as I look back at my career and in the places I've been fortunate enough to work, um, you know, the, the success that we're driving here and the early success, I'll, I'll call it certainly at, uh, at Occamus Bio and the, certainly the promise that this platform has, I owe a lot to both of those environments, both the big pharma and big biotech, as well as to what I've, you know, learned from working with, um, you know, in Atlas and flagships and very prolific creators of, 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 you know, very valuable early stage companies. Um, it's that combination that, that really I'm bringing to bear, uh, every day, uh, here at Occamus Bio. Howard Davis. CEO of Alchemist Bio, Howard, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks very much, Danny. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.